Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for listening to the Girls Who VC podcast. Girls Who VC is the first organization dedicated to bringing young women into venture capital. My name is Isabella Mandis, and I'm the founder and CEO of Girls Who VC. I'm excited to welcome Sarah Young to this podcast, the founder of Sandpiper Ventures. She also talks about her experiences in PR and how that lended into her career in venture capital. I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on this podcast and talking about your experiences in venture capital. I'm really excited for you to share your story. My pleasure. I'm delighted to, to join you. I was wondering if you could start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your background. Certainly. So I am located on the East Coast of Canada. My background, I'm an entrepreneur and I've had a business that I bought, built, and had an exit. It, and my background is in communications, marketing, and leading businesses. It's always been part of the innovation ecosystem. And about three years ago, I founded a venture capital firm that invests in women-led tech companies at the seed stage with two other partners. We invest in companies here in Canada, and we closed our first fund a year ago, and uh, we're, we've made investments. So lots of exciting things happening here in Canada, and then also lots of things that keep me busy. I have a um, full house of teenagers, and uh, to keep active doing many other things as well. Incredible. I'd love to hear more about how you first became interested in venture capital and what that transition was like. Absolutely. When I first started in communications, it was my first job out of graduate school with a startup in the during the tech boom. And then I worked with technology startups and in technology through, at the outset of my career. So I've always worked with technology companies, growing, helping them grow their companies, understanding their product and services, understanding the teams, helping them enter markets. And one of the things that I've loved is being part of the ecosystem and uh, whether that's understanding the importance of innovation, helping introduce innovation, connecting partners, helping partners collaborate, and just in general, the importance of growth. And I think from my perspective, a few years ago, started to see this gap that was happening or that existed around who was represented in the ecosystem. And what really struck me was looking at future economies. And so when it came to innovation, that there was a very specific set of decision makers that were making decisions, whether it was around health, whether it was around the future of workforce, whether it was around consumer products, there were specific people with a specific perspective that were getting to make the decision about for everyone. And this really didn't make sense. And at the same time, when we talk about companies and organizations, we would talk about just how important and how much stronger organizations are with diverse perspective and diverse representation. And so started to really dig into how can this, how this doesn't really make sense and we can be stronger 
And so started to do some research and started to really find out that this was a trend that really existed around the world, that women in underrepresented communities were significantly left out when it came to venture capital. And so much that women specifically were received less than 2% of capital. And that really shocked me. And what I was also seeing, it wasn't just that it was such an unreasonable gap, but also sitting in rooms where there were just missed business opportunities. And so seeing significant opportunities, but because of that small perspective that there were business opportunities being presented, but because of the narrow perspective, they were just completely being missed. And I think all of the trends that we talk about in research, I was seeing them happen in real time. And what I had the opportunity to do was starting to really dig into the research, starting to see, well, and I've always been a big believer in if you see something and you don't like it, you, you can keep talking about it or you can try and change it. And started to have a conversation with a group of other women CEOs who were feeling the same way. I think we one of the things that we were discussing was over the course of our careers, we thought that by working on merit, by digging in and over the course of our careers that not focusing necessarily on gender, that we were making great progress. But I think we're sharing the observation that in some ways we felt that maybe we had regressed and feeling that that this required a little bit of further assessment and started to look at the notion of specifically at venture capital and again looking at future economy looking at innovation and looking at some of these complex problems that we face in society and in our world and in business and saying if we're going to there are big there are problem solvers in our midst there are women founders who are coming up with answers, but they're not receiving the capital to go forward and help solve those problems. And there are ways that we can help address, there are ways that we can help make that happen. And so what to fast forward, we dug in for about a year and looked at what kind of model, what was working around the world, how might we address this, what would, what would make the most sense. And we came up with the model and governance of Sandpiper Ventures that we launched in 2021. Incredible. I love that journey and how specifically you've been focusing on women and being underrepresented in the field. Definitely something that I'm also very passionate about, building Girls to VC. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your partnership at National Public Relations, Canada's leading PR firm. How did you become interested in PR going a little bit back in your journey? Yes. And I think it's, there are a lot of similarities. I think from my perspective, it's always been about what are the big complex challenges that we're facing? Sometimes it's as a region or a country or as a society. And what are the things that are really complex? And I love to dive in and help solve them. I also love to bring really smart people together. I love being part of innovation and what's next. And so for me, that's what my career and my journey in public relations has always been about. And in the midst of when organizations are facing a really big challenge or they want to pursue a really big opportunity, 
that's when, or they need, whether it's so, social license to operate or they're entering a new, as I said earlier, a new market, that's when have tended to come to work with a communications firm. And, it, and it's required this under, trying to best understand what will, how will people, understanding relationships with people and different groups, understanding how people behave, understanding what will require people to change. And, and again, those are all similarities trying to, in the venture world, where you're really trying to understand whether it's entering new markets, whether it's understanding customers, understanding, again, working with founders, understanding business growth. And so there's you know, just these, and again, when we talk about uh, the trying to shift uh, underrepresented communities and trying to better understand when you have women founders who are overperforming, who are really significant leaders when it comes to building their companies, yet they're not receiving the capital, really trying to understand that. And so I think that's just an, is a really natural next step. And again, being a CEO and being able to now help the next generation of CEOs build their companies, it's just been a really natural evolution. That's incredible. And you talk about wanting to really get involved with these startups, see them grow. So what are some ways in PR that you've been able to help startups? And I'd love to hear more about that. Yes, I think it it doesn't matter what size of organization you are. There are just some basics and some fundamentals and that you have to abide by or that you have to focus on and starting off that having a strategy, what is most important to your organization? So having that roadmap. And so oftentimes, again, if you're a multinational or you're a startup, what is your plan and what is your strategy and helping startups determine what are those priorities? And also really understanding that if the plan is the plan until it has to evolve. And so building in the understanding of flexibility have also worked with startups around building in their their brand and their mission as well. And so they have a good sense of who they are and why they exist. And, and I think that's one, one area where we often see startups that they, sometimes it's a, particularly in the area that, that we're focused, that they are really focused on the technology uh, and they spend so much time there, but then they need to come back to why does that matter? Why do they exist? Why is it that customers are going to care? And so spending a lot of time around that and being able to not only understand that, but then being able to articulate it, not just to customers, but also to investors. And then fast forward, understanding when it comes to implementing that plan, how to make sure that the running of the business and whether that's from a talent perspective, really understanding how to build a employee team and whether that's understanding who you need, when you need them, what what is going to inspire and motivate them, and how you're going to retain them, and obviously the running of the business, and what are those milestones that you need to be focused on, and making sure that they're the right milestones at the right time, and how to make sure you're cracking them. And I think that's one of the key areas that I, I certainly know at Sandpiper that we spend a lot of time focus on really identifying the most important milestones at the right stage and making sure we help 
founders have clarity on those? And then what are the things that we can do to help support them? And in particular, as operators, we've been there. We've seen the opportunities, but we've also seen the challenges too. And there are times, and we see that often from founders, that they want a sounding board to say, here's something I'm facing. Can you be a sounding board? I need to talk this through. Or I'm facing a supply chain challenge, or I'm facing a governance or a talent issue. Here's what I'm thinking, or I need an introduction, or I just, I, I'm uh, really challenged. I just, I need some help in this area. And as someone or as a team that's faced it before, we're able to say either we have a network, we can make an introduction, or let's let's talk this through, or have you thought of this, or we have the, the background and the expertise that we can uh, and the experience that we can add it into or supplement what the founders are already doing. That's incredible. And you've had experience working with so many different founders. So what do you think are some important qualities for a successful startup founder? How does someone know that they should pursue maybe entrepreneurship and try to be a founder themselves? Oh, that's that's a great question. So I think, and obviously right now, as we look at the markets, we read a lot about the the importance of resilience. And I think as a founder, we often hear, read about the the highs of being a founder or the founders who, the, either the glory days or the best days of founders, but there are really tough days as founders. And having the resilience, I think also that I used to always say that there's a certain fire in the belly that you wake up and you, it's an ambition or it's a motivation as a self-starter that you can drive yourself and that you also need to be able to lead others because there are days where you are going to have doubters. There are days where basically everything is going to go wrong. You're going to be questioned. So you do need to have that fire in the belly that you're going to have to push harder, run faster, think, think, sharper than you ever have before. And then I think there's also that the ability to listen too, because you start off with a, you think you have a path forward, but a lot is going to evolve and change. And so being able to bring in others, bring in advisors, bring in others who can complement your strength, but then you have to be able to listen and apply what they're being able to share and then I think also there's, I would say also just that ability, the focus and decision-making. And again, as a founder, there's no shortage of information. There's no shortage of advice. There's no shortage of data points. And time is moving fairly quickly. And you need to be able to take in this information and make the best possible decision on any given day. And they won't always be the best decision. They won't always be the decision that you would make in hindsight, but you need to constantly be moving forward and have that agility to do a making another decision the next day as well. And I would certainly say the resilience, that ambition, motivation, that, that fire in the belly, the ability to listen, and as well that, that focus and clarity to make decisions are all really important as founders. I think last, I would just say just that sense of humor, 
because there are days where, you know, I think the ability to just not take yourself so seriously because there are other days where, yeah, you're going to be surrounded by people. There are going to be things that, yeah, just to be able to to enjoy the journey because it's it's going to be, there are going to be ups and downs and to be able to take it all in while you're going is really important. I love those insightful descriptions. And what are some common mistakes that you see startup founders make as well? I think uh, sometimes it's a falling in love with the technology more than the what a customer wants. And it may be it's almost a falling in love with an answer, but it's not the question that is being asked. And I think it's constantly, and you'll always hear the, well, have you, how much time have you spent with, it's this constant, you'll hear, what's the feedback from customers? How much, what are the customer references or testimonials? And But sometimes founders have this, their strength might be around the tech solution, or it might've been for a different time, or it might be that there are so many other competitors that have the exact same answer. And so I think uh, oftentimes we'll see those who are just so attached to where they land at a certain time. I think there are sometimes those who uh, just that self-awareness of their own strength. And I think one of the best things that you can do as a founder is really understand where you can be the best where you where you want to be at what time and what is it that inspires you and motivates you and so some founders they love to learn and they love to lead and they are constantly growing and for others they are so happy when their role might evolve at a certain time where it makes more sense for them to be the CTO and but they don't they think it's more important for them to always remain as the CEO, but they're miserable. Or others don't want to call in advisors because they think it's a sign of weakness. And really, being a founder can be a really lonely uh, journey when you think you're trying to come up with all the answers by yourself. And being a founder, there are so many things you're trying to figure out on any given day, but there are so many people who will be helpful and want to contribute to the journey or want to be helpful. So really being willing to ask for help is really important. I would link it back to that point about at the same time, needing to take the information and still being able to make decisions. But I think just certainly one of the mistakes is either not asking for help or then on the flip side could be constantly gathering too much information and then not being able to make decisions. And then the only other thing I would probably add in there is I think sometimes there's a getting set on a plan and not fully appreciating that things change or that there's the requirement to or understanding what is the end goal. And we'll often talk to founders about what does your horizon, what is your, what does success look like to you? And there's no wrong answer for some. They, uh, whether when they talk about their exit strategy, we'll talk about it can be very different for different founders. And it might very well change on the journey. Or for some, when we talk about scaling, it can look very different. But really for founders, spending time thinking about it and talking to other founders about what their experience was 
and would they do it differently or what was their experience? I think really spending time understanding what's important to them because I think it is how you grow your business, how you proceed in the journey needs to be aligned with what ultimately your plan is. And so I think really understanding that is is crucial. And I think sometimes founders jump in and start down a path because they think that's the path they should be on versus really spending some time appreciating what's the right path for them. That's incredible. Things to look for is things like pitfalls not to follow. How do you manage tasks and responsibilities that come up when you're working at and with so many different startups at the same time? So I think with anything, uh, process and just coming up with uh, regular regular and set times, usually the startups that, that I work with will usually have conversations around what works best for them. And so whether it's a standing meeting and then whether it's, and then if it's a, if they need something else, it's whether it's by text or WhatsApp or so usually trying to figure out what works best always having something that require that's set in calendar so that and regular reporting and again going back to those milestones so that you're able to uh, track that you have something to point to that really makes it really simple and that you're not that you're able to really quickly pick up on a conversation that you're able to quickly note if there's something that you need to dig into a conversation and that you have an agenda. So I think that just that process and structure is really important, but that you can also have the space to say, how are things going? Do you just need a vacation or do you need space or how is your family doing? So it's a little bit the balance between the two. Uh, And so I'm a, a big believer of the, how do you make sure you have enough process and structure that helps support and makes things efficient but then at the same time, building in enough flexibility and enough leeway and always having the availability and accessibility uh, that that there's a little bit of a making sure that you're checking. At the end of the day, founders are, are people and they're facing, they're doing something that's really incredible, really challenging, really exciting. And uh, some of the things they face, some sometimes the biggest challenges they face are some of the are are really can be really basic human things that they just need to do a here's what I'm frustrated by today and it's something that you do a yeah I remember that phase or I remember I can share with you what I tried or what sitting in fitness is really important from a wellness perspective it can be that sort of thing too is when and which is just as important as talking about how cracking on the milestones of the company or talking about revenue and profitability having a conversation about the importance of mental health and wellness is as well. And you talked about like these recurring meetings with founders. I'd love to hear more about your kind of day-to-day. What does that look like? How often are you meeting? How often are you sourcing? What are you doing during the week? Yeah. And again, as a, at Sandpiper, same thing, we have standing meetings. So we have a standing investment committee meeting. We have standing fundraising meetings. We have standing general partner meetings. So again, that that approach of how do you build in meetings and systems with structure, with an agenda, so that you're always the, that are built towards or built against a planning process. 
And we will have meetings that were either when it comes to, again, pipeline, where there's a deal team that will be bringing forward uh, founders or companies that they want us to, they want the investment committee to look at. And then that will trigger a series of meetings where we may meet with a company when it comes to meeting with founders that will, and again, it may just be, there may be a pattern where it's once a month that they're providing a um, reporting, but then there might be something that comes up with a company and they might be facing something that maybe it's a product release and that they need, we're doing a deeper dive where they want additional time or it's a company where I might be sitting on a, I might have a board seat. So there's a board meeting that month. So it, there's a little bit of ebbing and flowing with certain, depending on what's going on. And then if we're fundraising, then if we have a, then we'll be doing a, there may be meetings with whether with current LPs or prospective LPs, those who might be interested in investing in our fund and as well. One of the things with Sandpiper we're very committed to and I think just have a high interest in how do we make sure that there are more women in both sides of the tables, and which is why we absolutely are so impressed and love the work that, that you've done, Isabella, is that how do we get more women on not only as founders, but also as investors? And again, when I referred to earlier, we were doing all of this research. One of the things that was very clear in the research is the reason women haven't been investing in the past is they either didn't have the education, they didn't know how to do it, they didn't know it was an option. And then women network differently and don't necessarily have the opportunities to connect to each other and then not necessarily having the confidence. And so one of the things that we're also trying to do is whether it's hosting events, whether it's attending events, whether it's speaking at events, participating in panels, where we're trying to, whether it's provide or encourage education so that there are more women that are, and when I say women, I should have flagged this at the beginning, it's, and for us, it's women or who identify as women and all of the, um, that fall under the umbrella as well. But from an education perspective, but then also networking and how do we, as women come together and there's more understanding and they understand opportunities that it'll build the confidence. We also spend a lot of time trying to help build understanding around the opportunity of investing and providing more LPs with the opportunity to connect to Sandpiper, but to other funds, to other organizations and, and, and connecting. And, and again, the number of, number of, I, I was about to say young women. I probably identify young women differently than you identify young women. The number of people I've identified or pointed to your your work has been significant in the last little while. And I think the more people we can have recognizing how important it is, have the tools and the understanding, and even if they choose not to, but just to know that it's an option, to know that they can help support businesses that are trying to address problems or things that are important to them or could be family and friends is really important. 
I love that description. And to close off, what advice do you have for someone who's interested in pursuing a career in venture capital? Any tips that you recommend or things that you recommend that they check out? So I would say first, I think it's talking to people who are in the industry. I think there are so many things that the programs and the campaigns that you have online, there are a lot of things that are coming up, whether it's virtual events, whether it's reaching out to people online, and whether it's part of VC funds, whether it's attending events, and just about every organization right now is so keen to get people into the industry. And I can, I would almost guarantee that if a student were to say, I'm interested and would love to come to an event, that uh, people will find ways to get students to events, to see an event and to meet people themselves. And reaching out. Also, if you go on social media, and whether it's following some of the industry publications, following some of the, the from the industry publications, there are lots of people to follow on social media, and there's a lot of co- content that's developed you'll very quickly start to read about some of the trends. And out of that, really starting to track the things that pique your interest that you can pursue further so that when you do have more conversations that you can dig into what are the areas that would be of particular interest. And for some people, maybe it is in, on the venture side and maybe it is at early stage, but who knows? It might be working at a startup as well, or it might be going back and forth over the started up of someone's career. Incredible. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing all of your thoughts and journey and any tips that you have. I really appreciate you coming on and look forward to staying in touch in the future. Well, my pleasure and uh, keep going with everything that you're doing. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and supporting Girls Who VC. Make sure to check out our website, girlswhovc.com and follow us on social media at Girls Who VC. See you next time.